0: I'm Alec Baldwin, and you are listening to Mission Daily. Selected as Best of 2018 by Apple, Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Chad, and you're listening to Mission Daily. This is our Silicon Valley theme week, and today's episode is about wealth, specifically the lessons from Silicon Valley that we've learned from investors, billionaires, and all different types of people, whether they were executives or people that we meet on the street. Silicon Valley is a bit different. And today we're going to dive into it.
1: Yes. This is Stephanie Postles. Hey, everyone. If you missed the last episode on health, it was great. It was fun. And I'm excited for this one.
0: Steph, I want to start with your skills and stuff you don't like talking about. So (laughs) you are particularly skilled at saving, money, which is a very, very tough thing to build up. And that's a skill set that I don't have, but I have some other complementary skill sets. Yes, you do. Where do you think that skill came from in you?
1: So actually, it's interesting. I was just talking to one of my friends, um, Anne, about this Mm -hmm. because we're figuring out how to encourage, you know, good asset allocation, money allocation in our children. So she has three. We've got Grayson. So just trying to think through like how to build those skills. And i always think back to what my dad started did i tell you about this
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: okay how he started a dad's bank and it started out with that where we would put some money in and he would you know show us how to accrue interest on it and he would give us that interest on it and he was essentially matching us i mean the interest was crazy 10 or 15 percent. but i think doing that in person together was a really good first step to like show what it means to invest money somewhere and understand that wow he's giving me 10 percent interest what will that look like in a year? Okay, well, now I'm going to give you $100, dad. Like, What is that going to look like in two years from now? And start thinking through how things can compound.
0: And seeing how, yeah, compounding works. That's really unique because oftentimes we don't see how it works or get to experience it and feel it in our own lives. So I'm sure that the experience of seeing money increase very effortlessly or in the background was uh, powerful.
1: Yeah. And it was great because we did it every single month where we would bring out their little mini spiral notebooks where we would keep it and do the debits and credits and interest and put the dates next to it and everything. And I always remember maybe when we got, we were pretty old, where maybe like our dad was like, okay, we need to cut you off now. Because it got to a point when maybe there was like 5000 or $10,000 in dad's bank for each of the kids. And there were three of us. And he was still matching like 10%. And it just got out of control. And he's like, okay, I can't, it's not manageable anymore. I can't keep giving you guys this much, much interest anymore. And yeah, I thought that was just a great learning lesson and he let it go on for far too long, but it was awesome. you were
0: all armed then for the real world where money is, uh, it's either everything or it's nothing. And it's uh, very important, basically. If you want a high quality of life, if you want to take care of those you love, if you want to do more and be more, you got to have it. And the more you can acquire it in an ethical way that makes you feel good, then the better. Obviously, there are different ways to earn money. And this is something that gets left out of the debate on TV or in the political world where you think that people are um, you know, very biased against money most, most of the time, yep. uh, it's basically they just don't have enough time to discuss all the nuances, which makes podcasts and longer form content so special.
1: Yeah. And I also think a lot of times when people are against money, it's like you might not need it right that second to where it's not impacting that person. But then all of a sudden, a couple of years down the road, they're starting to realize, man, I can't do some of the things I want. I can't hang out with my family. I can't do this and this because
0: I can't the- travel the way I want to. Exactly, I can't relax yep. the way, or uh, buy time. That's a a big thing people forget is with money you can buy time. And often the the time that you're buying, the service that you're buying from somebody else, you're you're investing in them. You're creating a job for them, and that's that's really special. You don't always have to be a big tipper or anything like that. You can just invest in a lot of these new technologies that allow you to buy time. So whether that is a helper, an executive assistant, a nanny, a house cleaner, you know, do it, get, getting remodels done in your house. There are so many different ways to invest in others and basically speed up the velocity of money in your local community. The more you can do that, the better quality of life you're going to have with those around you. The more that you can be really generous and buy yourself more time to do the things that you are uniquely suited for, the better your life's going to be. If you develop a set of skills where you you can work for an hour and earn the equivalent of $75,000 because you have solved a problem that's worth $75,000 to a local business, if you're able to work out that scenario, that's incredible. That's what you should be going for. That's a way that you can serve everyone. Then all of a sudden, you don't have to work the requisite ten hours a day or twelve hours a day to break in or to make it. You can uh, do the thing that you're you're the best at in the world. So yep.
1: I think you were actually talking about complementary skills. You might not be the best at saving all the time. However, you were the one who taught me to start thinking: how much is your time worth, and what can you outsource instead? I mean, when you first met me, I think I did. Everything on my own. I was to the point where I'm like, I am changing my own oil in my car. YouTube, help me out. Like, I am going to, yeah, clean the entire house on a Saturday and Sunday and take my whole weekend because I am not paying $150 to someone to do this. And you were the one who said, All right, Steph, let's sit down and look through, like, how much would you make in an hour if you just had a whole hour to yourself? What would you do and how much money would you make? Okay, that seems pretty consistent. You would always at least make this hourly amount. And it was a really good thought process for me to start thinking through that and allowing other people into my life to do the tasks that actually they were way better at. They did it way quicker. And like you said, it helped them. It helped the economy by paying all of them.
0: Yeah. And oftentimes people think of those relationships as, you know, that's not friendly or that's not what friends... In my book, that's how real relationships get started. When you can come together with someone, collaborate and work together for a long period of time when money's involved... If you can do that, the relationship you have with that person is going to compound. It's going to compound in trust over time. So you can't get anything done without trust. You can't buy the time you need. You can't learn the skills you need to allocate capital better and grow it in your own life. So the more you can buy time, the better. And the more that you choose to hold back your money and be miserly and not buy more time for yourself, the more difficult and confusing wealth is going to be.
1: Yep. All right. So I think we agree that wealth in general is a good thing, even when the media or other people paint it as bad. So what do we see happening? As it's long still, as it's
0: acquired ethically. and like Yeah, us, acquired a, ethically and you, it, you know, and
1: you see people using it you know, in the best way possible. I mean, you see the Bill Gates of the world, Melinda Gates, like helping people like that's kind of how I'm viewing having money. Which is okay, using but it for Bill was a
0: better capital allocator than... uh Okay. My, I mean, people, people probably freak out about that. But yeah. I think his work at the Gates Foundation is very interesting, but I'm currently reading a biography of Microsoft, so... If anybody wanted that segue and the distraction there, in my random opinion. (laughs) Thank you you (laughs) for your segue.
1: We will cover a whole Uh, episode on the Microsoft biography. How about that? Sounds good. So what things do we see happening in Silicon Valley now that are different than what we saw in Maryland or DC or anywhere else? You've lived in Washington state. You've been deployed to Iraq. You've been so many places. What is different here that isn't happening other places that we've been?
0: People are willing to give each other money more quickly for services. It doesn't take as long until you get to a conversation with others that is about how do we help each other? How do we introduce people that are going to be valuable to each other? How do we treat you like you're valuable? People here treat others as if they are special, as if they could be very helpful, very valuable in the future. And it's easy to think that, oh man, this person is only treating me this way because they want to make money. It's like, Yes. (laughs) Yes, they do. Is that so bad? Is it so bad if a lot of your relationships start where you're doing business with one another? What's wrong with that? And is your business doing something that's impactful in the world? Is it making something better? If it is, then talking business and over lunch and dinner and everything, what you're basically talking about is capital allocation. And you could think, oh, well, if you're selling a consumer piece of technology, that really doesn't matter. If you're selling something that is ultra expensive That really doesn't matter. Well, the only way we get to ubiquitous technology that everyone can afford is through subsidizing the the purchase, the early purchases of that technology. And in Silicon Valley, people are very, very willing to bet early and often and pay preposterous amounts of money for new technology. And I think that this is one of the most wonderful habits here that people on the outside view as consumerist, shallow, trashy, but it's far from it. You know and if you live, if you're privileged enough to live in the United States, you're amongst the one percenters of the world. You have more income than 99% of the rest of the world. And if you're in the 0.001% of the income in the United States being in Silicon Valley, which many people are, many people are not, you know, you have a duty and an obligation to basically, because you have local information, you have an obligation to subsidize the price of technology for everyone else. You're at the epicenter of wealth creation and. If you're fortunate enough to be a part of that, then you also have an obligation to put your own skin in the game, your own capital into making the tech better, cheaper, and more ubiquitous for the rest of the world.
1: Love that. Yeah. It reminds me of an in-person experience at a store that we loved when we first came here called Beta. Oh yeah. And I remember walking down, I think on University Avenue and seeing this store and it has a bunch of kind of beta projects Mm -hmm. that are all tech different Beta pieces of
0: tech. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Like maybe like headsets, um, really cool picture frames where you can send pictures all the way across the world to them, like really cool stuff. And what I love about that store is first, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but it's also because people are in there putting their money into things that are essentially trial products and you don't even know if they're going to work or not. But people here are willing to do that, to put in their hard-earned cash to say, well, this might not have a warranty. This company could go out of business next month. However, I'm willing to put 150 bucks down for this fun little paper-thin drone to try out, even if it only works for a few months because I want to support yeah. the people who are trying this, which is awesome.
0: It's how Tesla started. People forget that, but it was basically like their first car was uh, not impressive. I don't know if you've seen it, but I would encourage everybody to look at that up and look how those first sales were made. Yeah, there were a couple checks, but people weren't expecting, you know, the most amazing experience in the world. They were betting on being part of the future. They were subsidizing the future and they were okay that there was a large profit margin for that entrepreneur because they trusted that entrepreneur to then put that profit back into serving his customers or serving her customers and clientele. And you know, when you're doing business with someone, it can be tricky when you have uh, an idea in your head of what the other person's profit margin is. It's very easy to speculate that, oh, that person didn't earn it or that's not fair. I want to be, I want to get a better deal. I need to get a better deal. If, and if I don't, I'm going to be perceived as stupid. I don't see that as much here. People are much more willing to allow someone else to make money and they're willing to see a profit margin in another business, in another executive, or they're basically willing to look at another's executive compensation or something like that and not feel threatened by it. It's not a, a reflection of their own failures. If, they're, if there's a big gap, it's more of a, uh, a challenge to, it's something to admire basically is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yep. So how can we apply these lessons here to, if you're not here, to everyone else?
0: Buying time is a great place to start. It's always a place where you could buy more leisure time for yourself. And that's something in our past, in the, in the past of human history, people, there were a couple of periods where people only worked 20 hours a week. Why are we working 80 hours a week? Why are we working you know, 40, 50, 60? So this is a more contrarian view I have, but I, I think that work is generally horrible. You don't want to be working. You don't want to be doing things where you're suffering or where it's monotonous. You don't want to beat your head, head against the wall like that. You want to figure out how can you extricate yourself from work? It's not easy. It's really, really difficult. It's extremely difficult. And you have to give yourself permission to fail because finding your way out of that maze of doing things that you don't like for people you don't like. It's really, really tough. It's one of the toughest battles you'll ever face.
1: agree. I also think that giving yourself permission to experiment with those, you know, giving money to someone else to help out, to free up your time. I think just like people here experiment with new products, ideas, tech, investing in each other, being able to do that in yourself too, in your own ideas and being okay if maybe you lose a little teeny bit of money every once in a while because you put money into something that... Maybe it pays off really great, or maybe it doesn't. But no matter what happened, it's okay that you tried and to keep pushing forward.
0: You're going to lose a lot of money. That's the thing. You're going to lose a lot of your own money. It's going to feel like a loss, but it's actually going to be an investment. It's going to be an investment into information. And it's basically an investment into the idea that you can be a great capital allocator. So I recently read a book called The Outsiders. It's about the seven, or actually, I think, eight best capital allocators of all time meaning they took x amount from investors and on average produced a compounded annual return of anywhere from 20 to 30% over a long period of time this is basically what warren buffett calls you know if buffett says if you're that good at capital allocation you're literally a different species because it is that rare of a skill so we'll talk about this more we're doing a whole theme week on investing that i'm i'm really excited about but for now just think of, you know, your ability to allocate capital is one of the most important skills in your life. And you should be thinking about that a little bit more. You should also be very, very forgiving with yourself as you start to explore this skill. You know, just approaching money has so much psychological and cultural baggage to it that it's going to take some time to get accustomed to talking about it, dealing with it and growing it and not feeling guilty, not feeling silly, not feeling out of your depths, just feeling really comfortable and secure with it.
1: Yep. Yeah. I always like saying, be gentle with yourself because it's easy to beat up on yourself or say, this isn't working or I'm not, I'm going to stop, but.
0: Or view your investments as like, oh, I lost uh, lost a hundred thousand dollars or, uh, you know, I lost my life savings. No, you can't ever accept that. You learned with that investment. And I promise you, when you get to a place where you start to, you know, have those experiences where you make five figures or six figures in an hour, your whole worldview is going to change. When you have your first year of paying six figures in taxes and it doesn't phase you, you laugh about it. You think it's great. That's that's an incredible experience. Being able to say, I have an eight figure business. It's special. It means something. That's the goal. That's the shining city on the hill. And it's definitely accessible.
1: Yep. I agree. All right. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode, which is on wisdom in Silicon Valley. See
0: you then. Mission.org is a media company with a daily newsletter, network of podcasts, and brand studio designed to accelerate learning. Head to mission.org to get award-winning podcasts like The Mission Daily, The Story, IT Visionaries, Education Trends, Marketing Trends, Future of Cities, and more. Mission Studios has worked with companies like Salesforce, Twilio, and Katera. To create custom media channels that drive results. Make sure to subscribe to the mission's daily newsletter at mission.org.